Three Tennessee state legislators are being hailed as heroes, now dubbed the Tennessee Three, for their anti-gun activism. Two of these legislators were removed from the Tennessee House. And because of that, Republicans in the Tennessee House are being accused of racism. What is really going on behind the scenes here? We'll look at this from a political and also theological perspective. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. So I've got to get through this episode as quickly as possible. We have so much to talk about. This could easily be over an hour, an hour and a half. So I'm going to try to abbreviate the story, summarize the story as much as possible and give as concise of a response as possible. You guys know I'm very verbose. That's going to be difficult for, for me. But I will try tomorrow. We've got an amazing conversation with a dad. His name is Brian Montgomery, and he is going to tell us this tragic but uh, crucial for us to hear story of his son who died by suicide in December of last year after he fell victim to a sextortion scheme on Instagram you do not want to miss tomorrow's conversation. I know that that already sounds dark and sad. That's because it is. But man, this guy's a strong Christian. There's redemption. There's hope that comes from this story. But there are also very clear warnings and warning signs that parents need to look for. So tomorrow is an episode for sure that you need to tune into. And then you also need to share with every single parent that you know. But Okay, let's talk about this subject that I've been wanting to talk about for a few days. Per usual, there's so much going on. I never have time to talk about everything that I want to talk about. But because there are so many theological implications in this story or so many theological points being made online about this Tennessee three um, who happen to be using the Bible to try to defend their politics and not just their politics, but their political strategies, I wanted to speak to it as much as I can. And again, I won't be able to get into the theological depth that I want to, but I will try my best since so many of you have been asking about this. So let me give you a little bit of background on the Tennessee three. That's been their new nickname that the media has given them as these three Tennessee Democratic state legislators have risen to prominence and fame, thanks to a lot of Democrats and left-wing activists on Twitter who have dubbed them some kind of heroes for going against the majority conservative state legislature in Tennessee um, who are pro-Second Amendment, and yet the Tennessee Three, apparently, they're on the front lines of the anti-gun rights movement in the wake of the Nashville shooting that occurred a couple weeks ago at Covenant Christian School, which we've covered extensively. So three Tennessee state representatives, Gloria Johnson, Justin Pearson, and Justin Jones led and participated in anti-gun protests last week from the floor of the House chamber uh, that disrupted proceedings uh, following the Nashville shooting. They each faced votes of expulsion or votes of removal as representatives from this two-year session that the state legislature in Tennessee is in from the GOP-led House for violating chamber decorum. Pearson and Jones were expelled and Johnson survived the vote by one. There is a theory by the way, about this one uh, legislator who decided to vote against Johnson's expulsion, that she was pressured to vote against it so that this would 
turn into some kind of race issue because Gloria Johnson is white, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones are black. And so the reaction to their expulsion has been this is the Deep South being the Deep South. This is the white GOP being the racist white GOP white supremacists that they are. The reason why Gloria Johnson was not removed, was not did not actually face expulsion is because she's white and these two dudes, these two state representatives are black. Um, but she survived by one vote. Again, there are theories about that one vote, but also she had a different posture after this, which we'll get into in just a second. Um, so the Tennessee House of Representatives rules of order, there is a rules of order that you are supposed to follow as a as a representative or as, as a legislator in Tennessee, but it doesn't outline specifically what constitutes uh, what constitutes expulsion. It does outline that a member who does not follow the rules of order could be liable to censure a formal statement of disapproval. Um, the initial protest on the House floor on March 30th consisted of three chanting no action, no peace in response to gun legislation um, that followed the Nashville shooting. And here's a little clip of that. We'll also put up pictures of the uh, protest that was happening at the Tennessee State Capitol. And I use that word loosely as generously as possible because there was a lot of aggression. Some might even call this some form of an insurrection at the Tennessee State Capitol um, after the Nashville shooting occurred. These Three legislators were reportedly a part of that. And again, as we just saw, they actually disrupted proceedings on the House floor. So they weren't just outside of the chamber, but actually within the chamber trying to disrupt democratic proceedings because they didn't like the way that it was going. It goes without saying that is that if this were the other direction, Republicans would be called Nazis. They would be called fascists. They would be called out for undermine, undermining a democratic um, process. In an interview, Representative Gloria Johnson said that this was an act of fascism to have these representatives removed. That's something that you're hearing echoed by a lot of people um, on the left. And of course, President Biden had something to say about this, as many Democrats did on Twitter. President Biden said this, three kids and three officials gunned down in yet another mass shooting. And what are GOP officials focused on? Punishing lawmakers who joined thousands of peaceful protesters calling for action. It's shocking, undemocratic and without Precedent. So I just want to note that this is more. This is more than Joe Biden said after those three kids and three officials, three adults. Officials is kind of a weird choice of words there at Covenant Christian School were actually gone down. He spent much more energy honoring, quote unquote, trans people right after a quote unquote trans person murdered these six people that week than he did honoring the victims. I'm not sure if he ever even uttered their names. He didn't visit Nashville. Jill Biden reportedly did visit Nashville. She attended one vigil. The president himself did not. Kamala Harris did not. In fact, the first time that Joe Biden was supposed to be making a statement about this publicly, he stood before the crowd and he made a joke about chocolate chip ice cream. 
before he addressed anything to do with the victims of this shooting. And so now he's pretending that he is incensed over this, that he is just so distraught over these victims of gun violence. But it's only because he sees this as politically expedient for Democrats. And by the way, it is because the media is on the Democratic side. And so, of course, they are going to use this opportunity to say, yes, these people are being removed because they're on the right side of history. Republicans are on the wrong side of history and because they're white supremacists. It's not just President Biden. It's also Kamala Harris. She made a surprise visit to Tennessee to meet with three uh, with these three Democratic representatives. Uh, She did not, as far as we know, meet with the families of the victims of the shooting, but she did speak with the so-called Tennessee Three. She also spoke at Fisk University, which is Justin Jones's alma mater. And uh, she, after meeting with the Tennessee Three, and she condemned them being silenced. Here's a clip of that. A democracy says you don't silence the people. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about the importance of life and liberty. Okay. I I just fail to understand why people who broke the rules of house decorum should get a pass. Why? Just because they're Democrats. Okay. I'm going to get into a little bit more of what has happened and what it actually looked like. Uh, from the House floor in just a second, some words of these representatives and their reactions in just one second. Let me pause and tell you about our next or our first sponsor for the day. And that is Adele Natural Cosmetics. This is a company whose products I use on a daily basis. I use their skincare regimen. I use a lot of their makeup. I love it because I can trust that all of the ingredients in it are totally natural. You're not getting any of the fake stuff, any of the fake fragrances. I feel good about putting this on my skin. I also feel good about supporting Adele Natural Cosmetics because this is a family-run company. They make all of their products themselves in Texas, and they're pro-life, they're Christian, they're very outspoken about these things. So they make really high-end, high-quality products, but they also align with you and me, which is really important. And they just care so much about the quality of their ingredients and uh, the health of their customers. And that's why they put so much heart and soul and effort into everything that they make. Plus, I think that my skin looks better than ever because of Adele Natural Cosmetics. So check them out. Go to AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, A-D-E-L, NaturalCosmetics.com. Enter the promo code Allie for 25% off your first order. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, promo code Allie, AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com. All right, so here is Justin Pearson uh, on the Tennessee House floor um, as these three representatives are facing expulsion. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. Okay, so everyone's talking about 
what an amazing rhetorician he is, how he's so powerful. I mean, you're listening to this. It, of course, it sounds like MLK. The cadence sounds like MLK. He looks like some kind of Malcolm X type activist. That's the purpose of it. And the news interviews that he gave after, it's obvious that they are trying to bill him, paint him as some kind of civil rights era hero. The aesthetics, the branding, the marketing, the PR uh, that's going into this is extremely intentional. It's extremely orchestrated and it's extremely um, it's extremely strategic and it happens to be working. I saw David Hogg, the anti-gun activist saying, wow, this is so amazing. This looks like a piece of history, but really it's happening right now. Yeah. It's meant to look like a piece of history. It's propaganda. That's what it is. And so that was him on the house floor, but let's look at him from just a few years ago in 2016, when he was just a good old college student and uh, he was running, I guess, for class for class president. And uh, here's what Justin Pearson sounded like just a few years ago. I want to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. So this is fake. He is putting on this voice. He wants to sound like MLK because, again, this is about branding. This is about exploiting a very real tragedy. I mean, those little bodies and little caskets, the six caskets, are freshly buried in the ground. These parents are still reeling. These family members are still reeling from their loved ones dying at the hands of a mass murderer just a couple weeks ago, and they are seeing the brightest, the shiniest moment of their careers. And President Biden, Kamala Harris, MSNBC, CNN, left-wing activists are all using it to show, look, how great we are, how racist the GOP is. And I saw James Lindsay say this, and I think it's a really good point. They are using the Tennessee Three to try to distract from the Nashville Six because they don't really want to talk about that because the shooter was transgender, period. And so because they're more concerned about quote unquote transphobia than they are the deaths of these children, not all of them, but the people that we have talked about listed specifically on the show, the activist class on the left, they want to instead point you to these three supposed heroes. Um, also Justin Jones, he is a part of this. He's another, uh, he's another representative here. And then of course, as I said, you also have Gloria Johnson and something that we see in all three of them, um, is the use of scripture to try to justify their stance, to try to, um, uh, give more substance to what they're doing, to try to paint themselves as some kind of, um, biblical, as some kind of biblical heroes, you will see, uh, for example, um, that Justin Jones says, uh, there's a scripture that says the stones will cry, will cry out. And that's why we were shouting. Here's a clip of him saying that. Somebody said they were shouting on the floor. They were shouting on the floor. And it reminded me of a scripture from Genesis that said the blood cried out. The blood cried out. That's what we were saying. A scripture that says, if we are silent, the stones will shout out. That's why we were shouting. 
No action, no peace. No action, no peace. No action, no peace. Okay, so he's talking there about two different passages that have absolutely nothing to do with what he's talking about. And this, of course, is the problem with eisegesis. When we take a topic, when we take a meaning and we try to find scripture that appears to back up what we're saying, we very often decontextualize the scripture, we misuse and abuse scripture for selfish purposes. That, of course, is what's happening here. He's talking about Genesis 4, um, when Cain killed his brother Abel, and the Lord says to Cain, where is your where is Abel, your brother? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And it is true that God demands justice for this. Now, is Justin Pearson's definition of justice or Justin Jones's definition of justice rather the biblical definition of justice? I would say likely not. He is an advocate of social justice. He is an advocate of a new, a newly finagled sense of equity that is actually injustice rather than biblical justice. We've defined biblical justice many times on this podcast, which, and we've given the scriptures to back this up. And so you can go listen to past episodes on social justice versus actual justice. It's direct. It's truthful. It is, um, it is proportional. And so Justin Jones is not actually an advocate of biblical justice. This idea of no justice, no peace, or no action, no peace, you're talking about vengeance there. You're actually talking about we are going to make your lives miserable until you do what we want. That's extortion. That is not necessarily justice, especially when the policies that you're advocating for don't actually have any kind of provable correlation to saving lives. And then he is also talking about a passage in Luke 19 when uh, Jesus says this, and I'm just going to pull it up so I get it. So I get it correct. Um, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones would cry out. Even if you silence them, that has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with political activism. It has nothing to do with anti-gun legislation. He is talking about worship. He is talking about the worship of God, that even if you silence the human worshipers, even the very stones will cry out to worship the Lord and to, um, and to declare and affirm his lordship. And so per usual with progressive eisegesis, you are twisting scripture to try to make a point that scripture simply is not making. And yet it's really incredible. All of the professing Christians that you see on Twitter hailing these people as amazing revivalists, as people who understand the canon of scripture, people who understand, um, understand the gospel he is also referencing at one point, Jeremiah 6, 14, he says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Again, extracting that verse out of its context. This is also the problem with thinking that scripture is about us. Scripture is to us, but it's not about us. Thankfully, graciously, we play a role in the eternal redemption story, but the point is always God. The point is always his glory. When we put ourselves at the center of the narrative, which this kind of liberation theology always, always does, then we get interpretations extremely wrong. That's also where we get theological liberalism, because when you put yourself at the center of the story, your culture, your political beliefs, 
And then everything starts to change depending on the changing morality of society at the time. Now, Shane Claiborne, he is a, uh, he's a progressive, I guess he would call himself a progressive um, Christian. He said that there is a revival happening at the Tennessee Capitol. I saw other Christians who are similar to him in his ideology, also saying that these three legislators, especially Representative Jones and Representative Pearson, are doing an amazing job for um, amazing job for Christians. I saw Dr. Anthony Bradley, um, who you know he does a lot of important work on the the crucial role of fathers in society, specifically in the black community. But um, when it comes to issues of social and racial justice, he tends to be extremely progressive. And he said, you know, white evangelicals in the GOP, they are just, they don't know what to do with these men who are drawing from the black tradition of understanding and applying the whole canon of scripture rather than just the gospels and a few epistles. Well, look, these guys, as we would expect, are not theologically solid. They're simply not. Like if you look at some of the things that, for example, Representative Justin Pearson has said in the past about God, I guarantee you even someone like Anthony Bradley would not agree with because these guys are liberation theologians. They come from the tradition of James Cone, who himself was not an actual Christian. He did not believe in the exclusivity of Christ. He did not believe in the absoluteness of the gospel. He said that he believed that all religions were on an equal playing field as long as they led to some form of liberation. He saw Jesus, he saw the Bible as a means to um, uh, a means to an end of political and racial and social liberation rather than the end in and of itself. And uh, these guys just kind of repeat his talking points. Here is Justin Peterson quoting James Cone by saying uh, Jesus was gay. Jesus is black. We'd call, we could also say Jesus is gay. And any other identity being humiliated. One of my students, Jacqueline Grant, said Jesus is a black woman and she is right. Jesus is a way of talking about God's solidarity with people who are hurt and despised. This is Reverend Dr. James Cone, the father of black liberation theology. And this is in his final book. Said I wasn't going to tell nobody. Jesus is a black woman and she is right. Yeah. So that's where he is. He has a lot of clips like that saying that, uh, Jesus is, um, Jesus is black and gay mother God rather than father God. And so the fact that you have Christians that fancy themselves real Christians hailing these people as some kind of theological heroes, champions of the faith, it's just not, it's just not what's really going on here. All right. I got more to say. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Good Ranchers. All right, guys, I use Good Ranchers every day. We use Good Ranchers every day in our house. It makes our lives so much easier to have our meat delivered right to our front door, to put it in the freezer, and then to have one part of our meal accounted for every night. All the meat is American. 
And so you are supporting American farms and ranches. You are also supporting a company led by people who are Christians and conservatives who love America just like you and me. They've got seafood. They've got different cuts of beef and steak. They've got better than organic chicken. Some is pre-marinated. Some is not pre-marinated. We probably use, let's see, the non-marinated chicken and the um, ground beef the most. It's just really versatile. I just put it out to thaw at some point in the afternoon, and then it's really easy, really quick to cook. And if you're on some kind of health kick, this is a really great way to fulfill those goals by making sure you're getting your protein in and making sure that you are consuming high quality meat. Uh, with your subscription right now, they are giving you free bacon for a year, a pound and a half of bacon in every box, which is absolutely incredible. Plus, if you go to GoodRanchers.com and use my code Allie at checkout, you save $20 on your order. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie for $20 off. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Just a couple of days ago, these three representatives were on Good Morning America and they were taking selfies. They uh, were posting and tweeting about how awesome it is. This is what Representative Gloria Johnson said in a picture in front of the Good Mor Morning America sign with the two other representatives. Uh, so this is a thing, she says, I'm so happy that we had the opportunity to talk about the gun violence process on a national stage. How weird, like how tone deaf can you possibly get? We must act now. These young people and their parents want us to now, to act now to save lives. I mean, but they're just like, they're grinning on, they're, they're grinning in front of a Good Morning America sign. Like they're obviously excited about the fame that they have been afforded by the media. As I already said, President Biden, Kamala Harris, they're using this as a media opportunity. They're using this as a way to up their approval points. We've already forgotten about these little victims. We've already forgotten about the fact that apparently there are transgender people that are purposely targeting schools. This is not the only story. There was thankfully a plan, a plan foiled, as we talked about earlier this week, by a person who identifies as transgender in Colorado who planned to shoot up a school apparently for the same kind of motivations. It's also odd, by the way, like uh, apparently we were so done with that story that we are not even curious about the manifesto anymore because remember the shooter wrote a manifesto. Remember the Buffalo shooter, that horrible, horrible shooting that happened in Buffalo, New York, where the guy went there because reportedly he was really literally a white supremacist and wanted to go into a majority black community and shoot up a grocery store and kill as many black people as possible. We got that manifesto out really quickly because it was really useful for the media to say this is right wing violence. This is a result of mainstream conservatives somehow ginning up hatred and violence against black people. But when it comes to this person who identified as the opposite sex, who apparently targeted targeted a Christian school that she allegedly felt was opposing her stated identity, we're not allowed, we're not even allowed to see what her stated motivations were. Don't you think that that's a little odd? We've moved past that. And now we are just using this as an opportunity for Democrats to become famous. And not just that, but to also whip up even more hatred and outrage against Republicans. There's an independent journalist by the name of Judd Legum. And I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And um, he has, he has decided to 
docs the House Speaker in Tennessee, Cameron Sexton, or at least his children. He's sharing some information about this House Speaker, including the school that his children attend. And he's putting it on his website, which is popular um, popular information. So Legum says that he believes that Saxon is violating the Tennessee Constitution because he also resides in Nashville during the year rather than the district that he represents. The Tennessee Constitution says that he can only represent the district if he is a qualified voter of that district. And so he is saying that this guy is violating his own rules. He thinks that he's pointing out hypocrisy. All right. You can do that. You're an independent journalist. I haven't assessed all of this reporting myself. I haven't been able to verify it. So I don't know if what he is saying is true. But look, if he has done the digging and he believes he has a story, whatever, he can report um, on that story. Um, he, But he decided that he was going to post the address of this the House Speaker's former private residence. He did get that information from Sexton's website. So that is not necessarily um, that's not necessarily doxing uh, because it is public information. But you are purposely trying to more widely circulate that. But really what the doxing is and the message that I received from one of you being concerned um, about this was in regards to the private school, which I'm not going to put up here. I'm not going to say here, but was in regard to the private school that um, his children, the house speaker's children attend. And this person even says Saxon and his spouse are shown regularly attending events on the school's Facebook page. So what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do here as a journalist? Are you trying to make sure that his children are endangered? Are, are you trying to make sure that his children get hurt, that his children get I don't know, kidnapped to try to politically pressure him to make a different decision than the political decisions that he is making on behalf of his district. Okay, it's one thing to talk about what you think is a violation of the Tennessee Constitution. It's another thing to try to put his family, his children in danger because you politically disagree with him. And this is happening at the same time that we are trying to elevate the Democratic Party and elevate and, and elevate these three legislators as some kinds of heroes. It's really, really disturbing. It's really disturbing. And so I think that we should, um, especially if you live in the state of Tennessee and you agree with the, um, the moves or the policies represented by your Republican representatives, then you should be reaching out to them. You should be supporting them. You should be encouraging them to stand strong. We should be praying for the people um, that are representing the things that we are voting for, the things that we hold dear. We should be praying for their safety. I mean, it goes without saying that I would not like this if this were going in the other direction. No, kids should absolutely be off limits. And this, again, is by the same people who have already forgotten, who have already given up on the story of these three children and three adults being murdered in Nashville it has nothing to do with it. And these are the same people, by the way, who want to convince us to give up our guns. You're trying to simultaneously show me that you're willing to dox children of your, your political opponent while you are asking the rest of us to give up our guns. So you're making us feel very vulnerable. I mean, we already know that you guys 
vote for the politicians that will not enforce the laws and actually put people in jail who are a harm to society. So you've already given us that reason not to give up our guns. But now you're showing us as a form of journalistic activism that you are willing to put our children at risk because you don't like the things that we believe in or the things that we have to say. And you're trying to convince us to support anti-gun legislation. Like, do you not see how that's probably not going to work? Do you not see how people would see that and then think, well, you know what, maybe you actually just want to hurt me. Maybe you just actually want to hurt me and my family. And that's why you want to take away my guns. I, I don't think so. This is actually what encourages people to go out and find ways to defend themselves. So it's just really, really ugly stuff. All right, guys, pause to tell you about Patriot Mobile. All right. This is another company that is supporting our values that you can switch to so you are no longer supporting those big wireless providers that are taking your money and giving them to politicians or giving it to politicians and to causes that you don't believe in. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. It offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. They offer a coverage guarantee. So if you're not happy with the coverage, you can switch to a different network for free without changing carriers, which is pretty amazing. All this, plus the knowledge that you are supporting free speech, sanctity of life, Second Amendment, our military, our first responders, their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching really easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 878-PATRIOT. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. You will get free activation with offer code Allie. patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. And look, I haven't even gotten into the debate over what the specific gun legislation is. As I've said before, I've said this many times, I am not against honest, in good faith discussions about legislation that would provably and logically protect the lives of people against violence perpetrated by people who are carrying guns. But as it is, we have a lot of laws on the books that are currently not enforced right now. I got a message from someone saying, you know, I'm a fan of you, but we've got to ban right now high capacity magazines. And if you're, you know, on the right side of history or if you're a reasonable person or if you're really great, whatever, then you will support this, too. And look, okay, let's have a discussion about that, but I'm going to have some questions and I think it's okay to have questions. And as soon as you ask questions, as soon as you give an opposing side, when it comes to this, the other side shuts down and just gets mad at you and pretends like you don't care about human life, which is not true at all. I want to know what you mean by a high capacity magazine. And I, I want to know why that, if we're looking statistically, the vast majority of deaths, uh, at the hands of someone who is carrying a gun, um, is because of a handgun. A lot of these are happening in deeply blue cities where there are already strict regulations on guns. Why aren't we enforcing the laws already on the books that could actually prevent the deaths that are occurring? Like, have we ever thought about the criminal justice policies that are being put in place where a large majority of these gun deaths are happening? A lot of them, the majority of these deaths are because, especially of young people, uh, people under the age of 18 is because of gang violence. Like, have we ever thought that maybe we're not enforcing the law? We're not making the punishments harsh enough for this kind of violence. And that's why these numbers are so high when it comes to AR-15s. Look, 
I, I, I want realistic solutions. I really do. I want realistic solutions. And the fact of the matter is you don't have to like this, but the AR 15 is the most popular rifle in America. It's been around since the 1950s for the first 40 years of of its existence. It was not used for a mass shooting. The nature of the AR-15 has not changed, but obviously something changed within those 40 years. And still, even today, even though every single murder is absolutely tragic and we should be looking at real solutions and real problems to try to figure this out, it still accounts for a tiny, tiny percentage of deaths by gun. Like like I said, the majority of it, it's a handgun. Are you going to ban handguns? Are you going to confiscate the AR-15s? What are we going to do about the 99% of gun deaths that are still happening? So like, I want reasonable solutions. I want a reasonable conversation. I want a logical conversation. It's not enough just to say, well, other countries have regulated guns, and so we should regulate guns too because it works. That doesn't take into account the many, many other factors that go into crime statistics in other countries. People often list Australia, for example, and the ban on certain kinds of guns, certain kinds of weapons in Australia, and then a precipitous decline of gun violence. But they never show you that the precipitous decline of gun violence in Australia was happening long before this ban ever went into place. Um, Again, not against the conversations, but the side that is for legislative solutions. And I believe that there could be some, okay? Again, not against them. I believe that there could be some that doesn't violate Second Amendment rights, doesn't violate someone's right to be able to carry a gun and defend themselves and hopefully protect lives. I believe that there could be policy legislative discussions to be had there. Let's do that in good faith. But If that side, if the Republican side is willing to come to the table and have those policy discussions, then the other side needs to be willing to come to the table and have the moral discussion. Because like I said, we've always had tens of millions of guns in this country. The AR-15 has been around for a very long time. The guns haven't changed. Something has changed. So if we're willing to talk about the guns, let us also talk about the moral and the cultural rot that progressive secular humanism has wrought, uh, different spelling, um, in our country and has captured all of the institutions. Like, let's talk about the moral decline that has also occurred here. And I'm not saying that that necessarily comes with a straightforward policy solution, but if one side is willing to come to the table and talk about policy and legislation, the other side needs to come to the table and let's talk about the moral and the cultural, the social, even the spiritual darkness that this country is facing. And maybe the people on the left side of this issue who think just gun confiscation is the only answer, maybe they're going to have to take some ownership and perpetuating the godlessness and the chaos and the purposelessness that is driving, unfortunately, um, a lot of these crimes. And so let's come to the table, but don't tell me we're not going to talk about the deeper stuff. If I'm willing to talk about the policy stuff and you're also going to, I mean, we're going to have to be logical here. We're going to have to look at what would actually prevent these kinds of crimes and what laws are on the books that we can already go ahead and enforce. So all this to say, you know, I, I, I don't even know necessarily that the Republicans made exactly the right move in removing these two legislators. It seems so to me. I'm open to hearing the other side of this um, when it comes to just like the politics of it, the hip hop, whatever. I'm willing to debate that. I'm not willing to say that these three are heroes. I'm not willing to say that there's some kind of like 
theological moral exemplars here. They're not like some civil rights era heroes that we should be looking to. I'm also not interested in, oh, this is racism because they happen to be black. Come, There's literally no incentive in this country whatsoever to be seen as discriminatory against black people. There are only incentives in the other direction. And again, if this were Democrats doing this, they would be applauded. Democrats, I mean, they do this kind of stuff. And by the way, these representatives in the past have called for uh, the expulsion of um, of legislators, especially on the federal level, who they see as white supremacists and insurrectionists and things like that. So come on. All right, let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is Birch Gold. Okay, we know future is unstable economically, financially. You want to make sure that your assets are secure. You need hard assets. And so you should look to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. And that's something that Birch Gold can break down for you. If you text Allie to 989-898, you'll get a free info kit. You can see if it's right for you. But what we can all agree on is that the future looks unstable. We just want to make sure that our finances, that our families are protected. Birch Gold group can probably help you do that. So just check them out. The info kit is no obligation, but they have amazing reviews. People absolutely love working with Birch Gold Group. They've got thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, A-plus rating with the best, uh, the Better Business Bureau. So check them out. Go to or text Allie to 989-898 for that free info kit. That's Allie to 989-898. Text Allie to 989-898. All right, guys. So that's all we really had to say about the Tennessee story. Honestly, there was so much more in there that we could break down, that we could try to um, try to understand. Uh, and we'll talk about it more probably with James Lindsay because I think that he has a really kind of good grasp of what is going on. Um, behind behind the scenes here. Um, also, just a reminder, uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day is coming up, especially Mother's Day, guys. And as I've said many times, your wives, they want that relatable merch. They want that relatable merch. And so go to AllieMerch.com. You can use code Allie10. You get 10% off. I'm wearing my Be a Salmon sweatshirt right now with the little fish. That means we're swimming upstream against the culture. And these are our most popular. Actually, I think this product is probably the most popular, all of the Be a Salmon stuff. And so your wife, your your baby mama, people get so mad when I say that. Um, she will love it. She will love it. And she will thank you. All right. That's all we've got time for today. We will see you guys back here tomorrow. 